The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Many people in the religious world look around them and say, there's no way that this man is a child of God. Or maybe, I know that this man is a child of God. In almost every case, they base their determination upon what that person has or has not done in regard to eternal salvation. They base their decision and determination on whether someone is a child of God, on whether they have confessed Christ, or whether they have actively believed or accepted Him, or some other step that must be taken in their theology to be able to go to heaven. But what is a true biblical perspective on this? Is it even possible for us to discern who is or is not a child of God? In this powerful message from 2015, Elder Buddy Abernathy teaches us from the scripture how we should view others in the world around us. Ultimately, we will see that the matter of who is or is not a child of God must be left squarely in the hands of God. Even though we can see fruits that lead us to believe that someone is or is not a child of God, we must ultimately leave the matter in the hands of God and trust that, as he said, he has saved his people from their sins in spite of their works. Join us today and tomorrow for this excellent exposition of this topic. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
There are several expressions that we could mention to you tonight that are used primarily by primitive Baptists. For example, the expression time salvation. I don't think I've ever heard that used in any other group. And there's a reason for that. That's because we make a clear separation between eternal salvation, which is purely the work of Christ, and what we refer to as time salvation, and that's simply a label to identify our belief that there's a salvation here in this world to be enjoyed by God's children when they walk in obedience. In the book of Acts chapter 2, Peter said, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And you look around to what's going on today, and certainly we need to, to labor to save ourselves and our children from this untoward generation. Another expression that I think about that I've only heard among our people is this. We sometimes say, well, I have a hope of eternal life. Now, there have been those that would state that and give the wrong implication. They would say it this way. They'd say, well, all I have is a hope. But that doesn't mean that it's inappropriate to use that expression because it is biblical. Paul said, I'm in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. And the reason we use that expression is because we don't point back to a specific day and a specific decision that we made in which we believed our salvation was a result of that. Right. But we just look back and we say, well, I can remember a time perhaps when I didn't care for the things of God and then things changed. And right. some of us say, well, I've always loved the Lord. And others say, well, until I was 50 years old, I could care less about the things of the Lord. And then he dealt with me. And so that's why we say that I have a hope of eternal life. And that word hope means a confident expectation because it's based solely on God who cannot lie, who promised it before the world began. Now I want us to consider tonight another one of those expressions that I generally only hear among our people. You know, in the religious world, when you go to a funeral, for example, if the funeral is for someone that never attended church, uh, and maybe they were generally living a good life, they weren't a wicked person, it seems that there are those that feel that they can say uh, definitively as to whether they were saved or not. They'll say, well, he was, some may say it this way, well, he was a good person, it's just too bad that he wasn't saved. And the reason they say that is because in their understanding, he never did what was necessary in order to get saved. And so they can speak uh, definitely about it. But the way that we often say it 
is we say, well, I believe he's a child of God. Yeah. See, that's not as definite, is it? That's not, that's not judgmental. We're just saying, based on my observation, I believe he's a child of God. You know, even after thinking about this, I noticed uh, Wednesday night after the services at Bethlehem, I overheard Brother uh, Luke Hagler talking to, uh, to uh, someone after the meeting. And uh, he, I heard him say that. He said, well, talking about some third party, he said, well, you know, I believe he's a child of God. Right. Now, based on what Brother Luke used to believe, there was a time when he wouldn't have said it that way. Right. Right. He would have been able to definitely say that he's either saved or he's not saved. So I want us to think about that concept for a little while when, because uh, the Bible addresses... Uh, why we talk that way. And I want to read to you from 1 John chapter 2 and verse 29. If you know that He is righteous, mm -hmm. ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. Now this uh, principle taught here is uh, fundamental as to how we as primitive Baptists view the kingdom of God. Yeah, right. And when I speak of the kingdom of God at this time, I'm not referring to the church in particular. I'm referring to God's people in general. Right. Although the church is the most visible manifestation of the kingdom, and we can think we can think of the church as the kingdom of God, but there's also an application of the kingdom of God as it pertains to all of God's children because Jesus said the kingdom of God is in you. So it doesn't matter whether you're a member of the church or not. If you're a child of God, you're in the kingdom because the kingdom's in you. But notice how this affects the way... We view uh, other people that we interact with. He says, if you know that He is righteous. Now, I don't think I've got to convince you that the Lord is righteous. Right. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. Right. See, that, that's uh, basic to what we believe. That if I come across someone that I detect as being a, a sincere individual that's trying to do right, if he's a good neighbor, if he's a person that I enjoy being with because he has the same moral principles, then you can conclude in your own mind that I believe that's a child of God. I believe that's someone that's born of the Spirit. And see, that relieves us of the burden that I know some of you here tonight have carried in your past as far as what your religious beliefs were. That relieves you from that burden of thinking, now i got to figure out if they're saved, and if they're not saved, i got to do what's necessary to help them get saved. It relieves you of that because you can just interact with people freely. It's not up to you to get them saved. It's not up to you to persuade
persuade them to love God. You just interact with them and you can say, well, I think that person's a child of God. But you don't carry the burden of saying, well, if they're not, I've got to fix it. I've got to do something about it. And that's the way we view the kingdom of God. Notice what he says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. The emphasis that he places on this. Little children, let no man deceive you. Now John referred to these as his children. They were his children in the faith, so to speak. The ones that he labored among and, and he had a burden to care for. And he said in uh, either the second or third epistle, he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now we certainly should have that desire toward our natural children, but John was using it toward his spiritual children. So he says, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. That's easy, isn't it? If someone is doing righteousness... That's the evidence that they are righteous. You may say, well, I try to do right, but I don't feel like I'm righteous. Well, here's the sense in uh, that is to be understood. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul said that he that knew no sin was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are positionally righteous. We are reconciled to God. We're justified. That's a legal term that teaches we have been declared righteous based on what Jesus did. doesn't matter how you behave. It doesn't matter how you have messed up today or in the past or will mess up tomorrow. You were made right with God in Christ and that's what he's talking about here. When you see someone that doeth righteousness, you know that he is righteous. He don't do righteousness in order to get righteous. He does righteousness because he is righteous. Now, Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 addresses this in terms of fruit. He begins in verse 16. And he's making reference to false prophets. He says, You shall know them by their fruits. Right. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Right. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Now here's what I want to try to develop for the balance of our time. When I read this, it seems to be saying, okay, if I'm a good tree, 
If I have that life in me, if I've been born again, then all I'm going to produce is good fruit. Is there anybody here that feels like that describes you? Yet that's what it says. It says a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. I don't, I don't, I don't feel to fit that bill. Do you? I don't feel like that, that everything I bring forth is good. But then he says a corrupt tree uh, can't bring forth good fruit. What Jesus is addressing here is the nature of man. Amen. Not that nature as it is lived out. That is, he's not speaking here of the degree to which we live according to that nature. He's talking about the, the essence of that nature. Right, yeah. You see, in Galatians chapter 5, he describes the fruit of the Spirit. That's right. And it's all good qualities. Amen. We won't read that for the sake of time. But he describes the fruit of the Spirit, and it's all good things. Yeah. Did you know that that's the only fruit the Spirit can produce? Yeah. Right. The Spirit of God in you does not have the ability to produce corrupt fruit. Amen. And that's what Jesus is talking about here, a good truth tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. But the problem is you've got another tree so to speak. You've got another nature in you that is corrupt. But here he's setting in contrast the good nature the good tree as he uses it as a metaphor in contrast to someone that is not in possession of that nature. A corrupt tree, someone dead in trespasses and sins, does not have the ability to bring forth good fruit. Amen. Amen. Now I want to try to give you some more understanding and some insight into this. Jesus is teaching that if we're a good tree, in the sense that we've been born of the Spirit, that is, we have that new nature, all that new nature can produce is good fruit. It's in conflict and in battle with the old man, the old nature, but all that new nature can produce is good fruit. That person who is not born of the Spirit can't produce any good fruit ever. Now, at this point, you might say, well, it seems that it would be easy to identify who are the children of God and who are not the children of God. It would seem that I could be more emphatic uh, with regard to the expression that we often use where we say, well, you know, I believe he's a child of God. Why can't we be more emphatic if the good tree can only bring forth good fruit and the evil tree can only bring forth evil fruit? Well, first of all, those evil trees sometimes want you to think they're a good tree. And those of us that believe we are good trees and that we've been made good, we still have that old man which, listen, by nature... That old man in us by nature is no different 
than the nature in a man that's not born of the Spirit. Right. Did you realize that? Right. You have a nature in you that is identical to the singular nature possessed by someone who's not born of the Spirit. Amen. So it's not always that easy to figure out who the children of God are. But aren't you glad it's not our job to? Because Paul told Timothy, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Amen. But at the same time, you and I should desire to know and identify who we can associate with and who we cannot associate with. That's right. I can't go around labeling. I don't have a, a, you know, two sets of stickers. One says elect, one says not elect, and I go around putting those on people. I don't have the ability to to speak that authoritatively. Only God does. Amen. But yet I do want to have discernment. Now, first of all, let's go back here to Matthew chapter 7. And verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Mm. Now here's here's the problem with those corrupt trees. All they can produce is corrupt fruit, but they can imitate sheep. You know, primitive Baptist preachers always say, and I I believe it wholeheartedly, that you can never turn a goat into a sheep. Well, I tell you, a goat can pretend he's a sheep, and he can fool some of God's children. He says they come to you in uh, sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Always think about what Elder Sonny Pyle says. He says, whenever he says something kind of mean from the pulpit, he says, well, I trust I'm a sheep in wolves clothing I'd much rather be around a sheep in wolves clothing than a wolf in sheep's clothing one of my best friends growing up in the church was a man that some people were uncomfortable with because he was kind of rough on the outside and they never took the time to get to know him but I realized that for lack of a better term that that man was a sheep in wolves clothing and it's okay to be around those kind of people Because they care about you. Right. Now, notice, and we'll not turn to all of these, but in Romans chapter 16, verse 18, he refers to those false teachers who with good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. The word simple there means those that are easily seduced. Now some are better than that than others. I look at some that I consider false prophets on TV and I say, man, he can really put it on. He seems so sincere. And I think of one in particular that he he just seems so sincere and yet I knew a man that was responsible for setting up the stage when he traveled to preach and he said he told him things like this. He said, now when I make this point in my sermon, I'm going to walk over here and shed some tears so I want the spotlight to be bright. You know it was all a planned program and then there's others I see and I say they are so obviously artificial how in the world 
does anybody support them? And yet people are sending money in because they promise them things they can't deliver. There are plenty of wolves in sheep's clothing. And then, notice in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. Jesus says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Notice the exclamation point. Sometimes people say, just read me those sweet red letter words of Jesus. Wasn't too sweet here, was he? He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. Now listen to this. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men. On the outside, you appear righteous unto men, but within, you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. So see, that corrupt tree cannot bring forth good fruit, but you can be fooled. You know, there are those that have no fear of God that will contribute large sums of money to charities to be seen of men. And they're also probably doing it because they figured up how much they need to give to to get the right amount of tax deduction. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.